Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Wants one right here. Sarah, you earned it. You earned it. Well, honestly, we're, we've been in a series, as you know, 40 Days of Decrease, and I thought the decrease was going to be attendance because of the Masters happening, so I'm just really thankful because John was like, there's going to be 17 people here today. <laughs> and, uh, and so anyway, thank you so much for being here. Palm Sunday, you know, in the past here at Ocean Hills, just some history, we've had kids come down the aisles with branches, waving branches. And because we're not doing that today, we're going to talk about the branches in Scripture. And as John said, we're going to be in John 15. And really, I kind of sum up the message of John 15 and what Jesus is saying. And what he basically is saying is, I want you to grow, so I'm going to cut stuff away. That's a loose translation of the Greek, but that is essentially what Jesus is saying. And I'm not really a gardener. I know we have some gardeners here. I've seen some of the beautiful landscaping that has happened around Santa Barbara and in many of the homes that are represented here. My gardening consists of keeping one houseplant alive for about three months before I toss it and get a new one. And probably my greatest challenge, and maybe some of you share this, is having the basil plant that you buy at Trader Joe's actually last from one meal to the next meal when you're going to use it. And I, I feel like a success, a success if I've done that. So obviously I'm not a gardener, but knowing some principles about gardening, I was thinking about this whole concept of pruning, which is really the decrease that happens in this passage. And I was thinking about when pruning occurs for gardeners. And there are three different things that I thought about that I thought would be interesting for you to think about as we go to this passage today. The first is when growth starts to happen, you actually cut it away so that more growth will happen. And the second is that when there's old growth there, that has to go so that new growth will happen. And then the third way that pruning happens is if you have a plant or some growth that is going one way and you want it to go another way, you can actually direct it that way by cutting it back. And so there are some specific ways that pruning happens in gardening, and I think that's partially why Jesus picks up on this image as he talks about us. And we are the branches this morning. That's why we don't have branches coming down the aisles. You and me, we are the branches that Jesus is talking about in this passage. And John gave me this passage a couple of weeks ago. And as I read the first nine verses, I was struck by one word. And that word is remain. Matter of fact, I think Brian has a slide, which you can't read, but that's okay. You can read it later. This is the passage, but you'll see that every time you see a bolded word, that is the word remain. Maybe in some of your translations, it's also abide, but I actually like remain better. And so I thought when something occurs nine times in nine verses, 
It's a pretty good indication that we're supposed to pay attention to this word. Remain, remain, remain. So the verse that I've lifted out, which is actually in your program that you got when you came in, is the verse that I really want to focus on in this passage. And here's what Jesus says. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Well, Jesus all around that verse is talking about this image of him being the vine and us being the branches. And it strikes me that, you know, why would he give this image here right at the end? He's in the upper room with his disciples, basically giving his last words. Why this image? Well, I think the first thing we can tell right away is that Jesus wants us to realize that branches can't bear fruit on their own. You know, no matter how hard you try as a branch, a branch that is separated from the vine can't go, grow, grow. Even if you're in the vine, you can't really do much to perpetuate your own growth. All you can do is remain. Now, why would Jesus give this image? Well, I started thinking that right before he gives this image, he talks about the Holy Spirit. Now you're going to have the Holy Spirit. This is a whole new concept for the believers. And, and I, as I started thinking about the Israelites, they actually were like those branches that were trying to grow on their own. They had the commandments. They had the law. They thought, you know, if I just be a good branch, that's what I need to be. And honestly, when I first read this passage, that's what I got from it. Like, gosh, I better be a good branch or I'm going to get cut off. But essentially, if you read that, Jesus isn't talking about cutting you off. He talks about cutting you back. He talks about cutting away, but he doesn't talk about cutting you off. The only way you get cut off is by cutting yourself off. That is it. And so what is it that causes us to do that? We're going to be talking about that. Well, the second thing that I really lifted from this passage is that I think he repeats this word so many times because he knows what's about to happen. Palm Sunday, you guys, this is the Sunday that it was great to be a follower of Jesus. I can only imagine the disciples in today's day and age. If they were doing Palm Sunday in today's day and age, they would have had their iPhones out taking selfies. I'm with Jesus, you know, posting them all over Instagram. And the interesting thing is five days later, they would be deleting those, those photos from their profile. That's what a lot of times happens when you get a picture with a famous person and then that famous person does something embarrassing and you're like, I'm, no, never mind, I'm taking that away. And that's really how it was for the believers because Jesus was most popular on Palm Sunday. Everyone was calling him the Messiah, waving their palm branches. But in five days, we're gonna be celebrating Good Friday when Jesus went to the cross and then the disciples wouldn't want to even be seen near him. So with that in mind, Jesus says, remain, remain. It's going to look bad. But your job is to remain. 
I actually have an image that many of you have seen just going up the 154. Um, you can see this all over in all the vineyards. But this image of a branch, and when you look at this branch, it's very stark. It's very stark before it starts growing the fruit that will come. And this is what life looks like sometimes. Life looks like Friday of Holy Week sometimes in our life. We're like, God, where are you? Why are you not doing something to intervene in this happening in my life? Why are you not doing this prayer that I've been praying for so long? I don't understand. I don't see where you are. I'm like this branch, stark, no evidence. And Jesus says, remain, remain, remain in me as I am in you. Well, I think what's going to happen to the disciples is often what happens to us. Their faith was going to be pruned to grow a bigger faith. The faith that they had was in the earthly Messiah. They wanted Jesus to be that Messiah that he was on Palm Sunday. Jesus acquiesced and he came in on a donkey, but he knew that wasn't who he was. He was a much bigger Messiah than what they had in mind. They wanted him to be the political Messiah, the earthly Messiah. Jesus was going to be the eternal Messiah. And it was going to look really bad when he died on the cross on Friday. But on Sunday, it was going to blow their minds. Their faith was going to have to expand. And that's what happens to us. I always use this image that I think that what happens to us in our faith is we move at some point from the Santa Claus God to the living God. The Santa Claus God is who you first believe in because it's so amazing when he's answering your prayers and he's doing stuff that you want him to do. God, please give me a parking place. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, all these prayers that you see answered and they're not all that trivial, but it's true. And then there comes a day where God doesn't answer your prayer, at least the way you wanted him to. And that's when your faith makes a transition. That's when God is saying, can you still trust me when I'm not doing what you want, but I'm doing what I want for you because I have a bigger plan for you than you have for yourself. And this is the transition that was about to happen to these disciples. And his word to each of us today and I'm praying that there's someone here that needs to hear this word, is to remain, remain. So now I want to look at two things that cause us not to remain. It was a wonderful experience writing this book because it was really just an exercise of getting into God's word. And not just the verses that we normally, you know, post on social media and the promise verses. These are the verses that you don't always see. And one of those verses actually happens in the life of John the Baptist. And the first area that we often get pruned in is our doubt. And I don't know if you know this, but the very last words we hear from John the Baptist are words of doubt. John the Baptist is put in prison. John the Baptist sends his messengers. And this verse, actually, I think Brian's got it up on the screen. Matthew 11, 2, and 3. Here's what John tells his messengers to ask Jesus. 
are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Does that blow your mind at all? This is John the Baptist. John the Baptist, when he was in utero, when he was in Elizabeth's tummy, recognized Jesus, the Messiah. Mary walked in, she was pregnant with Jesus, and he left inside Elizabeth's womb. She talks about that in Luke. So he recognized Jesus from the beginning. He was the one that was baptizing people and then saying, I baptize you with water, but there's someone coming that is much greater than me. And as Jesus walked by, there's the Lamb of God who has come to take the sins of the world. John the Baptist, above anybody else, knew who Jesus was. And now he's here at the end of his life, and he's in prison, and things aren't looking the way he thought they would look. And he's saying, are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Gosh, that comforts me. I don't know about you, but I don't care how long you've been walking with Jesus. There are times where you get to this place. I know that you watch the staff, John and Jono and Casey and others up here, and you think, well, surely they don't ever doubt. No, they, you know, they can't doubt anymore. I want to tell you something, brothers and sisters. All of us go through doubts. And what Jesus says in this passage is so powerful. Your doubts don't have to define you unless you let them. Because you can take your doubts with you into church. You can take your doubts with you into your small group, around other believers, to your Bible. You take your doubts with you. As long as you're voting with your feet and you're moving forward, it's okay to doubt. Now, how do I know this? I'm going to tell you something. In this passage, and I actually picked out the verse for you to see, Matthew chapter 11. After John says this, and we're going to talk about Jesus' response in a little bit. Jesus proclaims John as the greatest man who ever lived. So imagine this. This is Jesus and, and, and John's followers have come to him. And they've, they've said, now, now John wants to know, are you the one who was to come? Or should we expect someone else? Now I'm Jesus going, are you kidding me? John, my cousin, the one that prepared the way? Like he's the best man. I'm the bridegroom. He knows who I am. No, Jesus doesn't say that. In fact, Jesus still extols John as the greatest man who ever lived. Brothers and sisters, God is okay with your doubts. He understands why we doubt. John's in prison. John will never get out of prison. Jesus knows it's going to be confusing for John. His circumstances are confusing. And, and John never did get out, but John is still extolled as the greatest man who ever was because Jesus knew that his doubts didn't define John's ministry. This is so big for those of us who have doubted because I think sometimes we feel like, I can't doubt. I'm, I'm in too deep. I can't pay attention to that in my mind. God's okay with your doubts. When your circumstances are presenting doubtful material to you, he understands that you're going to doubt. But here's the second thing that happens to John, and this has to do with Jesus' response. John's faith is going to have to grow bigger than what he sees around him. 
Because here's what Jesus says, and I believe we have this up on the screen as well. Verse 4 and 5. Okay, so the, the messengers come. They ask him, are you the one or should we expect someone else? And this is what Jesus says. Tell John the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, and good news is being preached to the poor. Now, I'm John in prison. The messengers come back with that, and I'm going, and? And? The prisoners are released, right? No, he doesn't say that. Because a prisoner isn't going to be released. John's faith was going to have to grow bigger than his own circumstances to recognize God's still at work, God still is real, God still is who he says he was, and even if I can't see it in my own life, I have to trust. And that's why we come to church. That's why we come to church. We come to church in the middle of our doubts when we don't see God moving in our circumstances because we need to be together to see how God is moving in our body, to see how God is moving in the world, to remember that God still is who he says he is. Even if he's not doing what I want him to do right now, I can trust. And my faith is big enough to do that. That is what God wants for you. That's what the pruning is about. And that's why Jesus says, just remain in me. And here's what's mystical about it. When you're in the middle of your story and you don't see yet what God is going to do in your life, that is when your testimony is the most powerful. When my life fell apart just before I came up here, I was speaking. And I can remember honestly saying to God, I can't tell my story, God, because people are going to walk away from you if I do. And I just heard the voice of God inside my soul saying, don't you worry about me, little girl. Like, you don't know that I'm aware of what's happening in your life, that I know that you're a speaker right now, that you're the one that they hire to come in to talk about God, and that, that your life is falling apart right now. You don't know that I know that. You tell your story. And so I did, right in the middle. I'd been through a broken engagement. It was before I had even met Jerry. And I remember getting to the end of my story and everybody would be like, I mean, it was bad. I mean, my ex-fiance went back to his ex-wife, which is always a great story when you're not the girl engaged to the guy. And I, you know, I'm telling this story. I had no ring on my finger. I had no bow tied, but I told the story. And then I got to the end and I said, but you know what? God's not through with my story. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know if I'll ever get married, but I know he's a good God, and I know he's not through, and I'm holding on to him. And I want to tell you something, that's a testimony. I've said this before here, but I think we need more middle-of-the-story testimonies in this body, because that's where people live. Because you know what? When things are going great in your life, people don't really care about your relationship with Jesus. <laughs> things are awesome, and I'm following Jesus. Well, good for you. But you know what? When things are not going great in your life and you're still holding on because you're trusting in this God that's at work, even if you can't see him, that's a testimony. That's when people are leaning into your life. It's these people among us right now who are living heroically because they're in the middle of difficult marriages. They're in the middle of horrible health problems. They're in the middle of not seeing what God is doing. They're waiting for something that hasn't happened. And you're still showing up today because you have a trust in a bigger God. Your testimony is never so powerful as now. 
And so God's okay with our doubts. The question is, what are we doing with our doubts? Are we remaining? Are we remaining? And that's what we want to encourage you to do. And that's what John the Baptist does. Well, what's the next person that we see? Simon Peter. So first we talk about what happens up here that causes us not to remain. And now we want to talk about our actions that cause us not to remain. Our actions when we deliberately do something we know is wrong. When we deliberately walk away. Well, surely then Jesus cuts you off. Surely then you're cut off from the vine. No. No. You only are cut off if you don't come back. You remain. No matter what you do. And this is what Simon Peter found out. Because Jesus gently tells him right after he talks about the vine and the branches, he says, Simon, and I love that he calls him Simon, because Jesus knows we have a Simon and a Peter inside of us. And even though he had already proclaimed him Peter, and even though he knew what Peter was going to do, this time he's talking to Simon. He says, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. He's telling Simon Peter, that he is going to deny him. And we all know that story, that Peter's going to deny him three times. And Jesus says this beautiful little verse. He says, Satan has asked to sift you, Simon, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. I want to stop right there. Isn't that so interesting? Not I have prayed for you that you will not fail. You would think it would say that. No. I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. Because guess what? You are going to fail. But if you hold on to your faith, even after you fail, you will remain in the vine. You will remain in the vine. And that's what he was telling Peter. He was giving him hope even before he denied him. Peter, you're going to do this. But you know what? I've prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And then the second thing he says is even more beautiful. And when you turn back. Let's just pause right there. Did you know you have a God who believes in you? He believes in you more than you believe in yourself. Not if you turn back. You know, if you decide to turn back, Simon Peter, I hope you do. No. When you turn back, because Peter, I have confidence in you. I know who you are. I know you love me. And when you turn back, strengthen your brothers and sisters. Because now, what used to be your weakness becomes your testimony when you turn back to God. The very thing you're the most embarrassed about is what you end up talking about when you become a Christian or when you hold on after you've fallen. When you come back to Jesus and you talk about that failure and you talk about what God did in that failure, that is your testimony. And strengthening your brothers and sisters means you grow fruit, fruit now that's gonna be for the good of the tree. One thing you do know and what I know about looking at trees is when one branch bears fruit, it makes the whole tree look better. When you are bearing fruit in your life, I mean, I look at Ruth and Jack right here in the front row. 
They've got so much fruit coming off of them. I mean, I'm blinded by their fruit right now. They're the kind of people that make you want to go, grow, 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 right? But their fruit is for our good. Isn't that beautiful? We just heard a testimony up here. Uh, more ministries, this incredible thing that happened. I was watching through Instagram. I was loving the fact that Ocean Hills was down there because now Ocean Hills only looks better because we're extending ourselves past these four walls. Your fruit makes other people look better. And your fruit is now for the good of the tree. It's not, good, it's not just for you. It's for the good of the tree. And so there's so much in these two people Dear people to Jesus, John the Baptist, his cousin, the one who knew who he was, Simon Peter, his beloved disciple, doubt, denial, neither of these things cuts you off. And I believe there's somebody here that needs to hear that today because maybe you feel cut off. You are not cut off unless you cut yourself off. You come back here and you remain. That is the word that Jesus gives us today. I have this quote. I'm reading this book by Richard Rohr. He's one of my favorites. And I read this quote, and I think Brian's got it. We are only the light bulbs, and our job is to remain screwed in. <laughs> I just love that. It's a little bit of a different image, but it's the same thing as the vine and the branches. And I know that John is always saying this, and, and I love that he says this, followers of Jesus follow Jesus. But I'd like to lobby for a new phrase this morning. Branches on the vine remain in the vine. Okay, maybe it's not as catchy for newcomers, but this is the word for today. Remain, remain, brothers and sisters. It's not going to look good on Friday. But on Sunday, everything is going to change. Let's pray. God, I pray right now for those who are living Friday in their faith. They look at the branch. There's nothing on it. They see no evidence of growth. They see no evidence of your work. But God, if they just remain if they just hold on, fruit will come. It will, because you are faithful, and you are the Easter God. You are the God who blew our minds and did something we never could have imagined until it happened. And you have that power to do that. No matter how we're being pruned right now, you are faithful if we just hold on and remain. Give us the strength. Amen. Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the watch and listen page on oceanhills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.